In our American culture, we have particular movies shown yearly that are classics. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, those movies that kind of go with the season of the year. The Wizard of Oz used to come to us once a year in October. It had a good 40-year run in that time slot. Of course, that was before Ted Turner and Cable. Then we get some Christmas classics each year, like A Christmas Story or Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life. And at Easter, we get the 1956 Cecil B. DeMille's masterpiece, The Ten Commandments. If you've not seen it in a while, put it on your list this year. Two years ago, I, I saw it on the big screen at one of those big, fancy new theaters, one of those super Emax theaters. It was a 60th anniversary event released for two days only. Charleston Heston, Charleston Heston and Yul Brenner, they were larger than life. And yes, they were in Technicolor. Today, the Ten Commandments come to us not from a Hollywood epic on the big screen, but from our Hebrew scripture reading. This is appropriate for us in Lent. The last two weeks of our Hebrew scriptures in Lent 1 and in Lent 2 have brought us to this point. In Lent 1, just two weeks ago, we had the story in Genesis where God established his covenant with Noah and Noah's descendants and with every living creature. Last week, the Genesis story was God appearing to Abraham and making his covenant with him and saying that the covenant would be extended to Abraham's offspring throughout the generations. God remained faithful to the covenant he established as we read in the preface of today's lesson. This preface reminds us of how God led the people out of slavery in Egypt and into the wilderness, where God was preparing for them to enter into the promised land. Notice that it is God speaking directly to the Israelites, not Moses speaking. God speaks the commandments. It's later in Exodus where Moses comes down the mountain with the tablets in his hands. But here, Israel hears directly from God. God has invited the people into a covenant relationship. God offers the Ten Commandments as foundational principles. The Ten Commandments are in the form of two tables. One has to do with how people are to live before God, and the other with how they are to live with one another. So we have here words that encourage a proper love of God, and a proper love of neighbor. They regulate community life. The commandments are not so much a list of moral imperatives as they are a way of living. They are to be our guide. In our Lenten Sunday services, right after the opening sentences, we kneel to hear the Decalogue, and we respond as a people. Amen. Lord, have mercy. We do this in order for us to remember what it is to live as God's people. I want us to look at the Ten Commandments not as a burden, but as a gift from God. 
to look at them as a gift that provides a way of life to flourish in community and as an individual, an opportunity to grow deeper in relationship with God, an opportunity to more fully embrace God's desire for us. In this light, I want us to explore together just one of the commandments today, the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Sunday for Christians has been seen as that Sabbath day but it doesn't seem to be that way anymore. I see acolytes rushing to try to get to the 10 o'clock service because they're just coming from a hockey game or from a rehearsal of some sort. It's hard to believe that a hockey game has happened before 10 a.m. on a Sunday. I see some of you having to schedule church around work, scurrying quickly off after church and not able to stay for coffee hour. I know what this is like. In my previous career, I experienced many, many Sundays at work, not allowing me to be in church. Times certainly have changed from when I was young. Sundays were church time and time spent together at home. I also remember a time when the blue laws were in place. When I was growing up, most of the blue laws had to deal with alcohol sales on Sundays. But when I was stationed in South Carolina, the blue laws in Kershaw County prevented any shopping before 3 p.m. on a Sunday. But these blue laws didn't have anything to do with work. My time in Germany is where I experienced refraining from work on a Sunday. I was stationed in Bavaria, so the southern part of Germany. It's also where um, the Roman Catholic part of Germany is they observe a strict prohibition against work on Sundays. And yes, I broke the law and got caught. I lived on the top floor of a farmhouse, and my landlords lived on the ground floor. They were my parents' age, World War II veterans, and they didn't speak any English. Of course, I was working hard during the week, and sometimes that was on Saturdays as well which didn't leave me much time for running errands or for getting any of my chores done. I knew that you weren't supposed to work on Sundays, but I thought, you know, whatever my landlord doesn't know won't, won't hurt her. <laughs> so one Sunday, I was cleaning my apartment. My mistake was to run the vacuum. The noise carried downstairs, and it didn't take long before I got that knock at my door. I was hesitant, but I knew I needed to get to the door. I opened it, and there she stood, furrow-browed frow, shaking her finger at me and saying, Nick's arbeiten, Nick's arbeiten, Nick's arbeiten, 
Marlin, Marlin, nicht arbeiten. In that grand Bavarian way. That's all it took. I saluted smartly and I obeyed. Stopped working that day. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. What does this mean for us? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I think most of us would say that it means a day of rest, a day when we refrain from work, just like I experienced in Germany. But going nonstop seems to be our reality today. A mentor of mine has been on my case about taking Sabbath so that I can renew in God. I promised to do so, yet I still haven't made it happen. I don't know how many of you have been able to set aside time for Sabbath. Remember, we get this lesson from Exodus today in Lent. Mother Whitney has set aside time each week this Lent between the two services for us to examine Sabbath, how to keep it, what it means, and what it means for our relationship with God. Today was the third week in this examination. In the first two weeks, we talked about our assumptions of Sabbath, that it can only happen on Sundays, that it needs to be a full day, that Sabbath is rules-driven, that there is a specific way to keep it, and that it's not relational. Those have been some of our assumptions. But we've also discovered that we are looking for a definition of Sabbath, asking what it is that we can do on a Sabbath and what Sabbath is really for. It evokes feelings that we will let people down if we take time for a Sabbath, that we are not worthy to receive this time, that we are tempted to make allowances for ourselves. So we're chewing quite a bit on this as we explore this together and hopefully we can come to a point where we make time out of our busy schedules to undertake a practice of Sabbath. The Jewish writer Abraham Heschel says this of the Sabbath. The Sabbath day as a day of rest, as a day of abstaining from toil, is not for the purpose of recovering one's strength and becoming fit for the upcoming labor for the following week. No, The Sabbath is a day for the sake of life. The Sabbath is a day for the sake of life. Remember, God established his covenant in order to have relationship with his creation. And in his commandment, God asks us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. When we fail to rest from our labor, the whole fabric of our relationship with God is torn apart. So Sabbath is very relational. It is vital to our relationship with God and in turn, our relationship with one another. There are many ways that the lack of Sabbath costs us. All of those things we lose when we miss the gift of living, being present, taking time for nourishment, and taking time for renewal. When we don't take Sabbath, we tend to lose our sense of indebtedness to our families, 
to forget the nurture and love that made us who we are. In the Jewish tradition, Sabbath is spending time with family. The family is home from sunset on Friday through sunset on Saturday. This is when they observe Sabbath. They sanctify the day with a meal together, and at the beginning of the ritual, they recite Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3. It's when God created. And they do this as a way to give God thanks for the creation of the world and of the Sabbath. In doing so, they acknowledge the beauty of life as a whole. They bear witness to God's creative power and take a moment to reflect on the week, reviewing the six days of the life they have just lived. Maybe this is one way to make our Sabbath time, to spend intentional time as a family, giving thanks to God through prayer and reviewing our week together. It doesn't necessarily have to be an evening meal together. Instead, maybe it's morning prayer at home, followed by breakfast. There are many ways to think about our Sabbath time. To begin, it can be small practices to help us reform our lives to be in better relationship with God and with each other. I hope these Sundays in Lent, as we explore these things, that we might be able to get to a point where we are practicing some Sabbath time and understand what that might look like. This Lent in particular will, will be a good time to spend thinking and establishing Sabbath for us. It will not be long before Mother Whitney takes a sabbatical. The word sabbatical comes from the Latin sabbaticus, meaning of the Sabbath. This time of rest and reflection can be very life-giving. It can allow both Mother Whitney and us as a congregation to ponder the deeper meaning of things, to renew our minds and renew our spirits. We will never be free to say yes to the great things of life, the things that life asks us, if we are so exhausted from the little things that we cannot see the forest through the trees. If we are to find our path, wherever that will lead, we must make regular time and space for rest, relaxation, and prayer. In that quiet, restful space will come the clarity and conviction to follow Jesus where he leads and fully engage the work that is ours. The commandments that we remind ourselves of during Lent are there to apply pressure to us. The pressure of, dis of discipleship and formation, guiding us toward a life that is in right relationship with God, creation and with each other. We need to practice Sabbath to reform our lives to be in better relationship with God, to take a concentrated period of time to listen. It is time consecrated with our attention, with our mindfulness, and with honoring those quiet forces of grace that sustain and heal us. The commandments are a gift from God. They provide an opportunity to grow deeper in relationship with God 
They provide an opportunity to more fully embrace God's desire for us. Our psalm appointed for today, Psalm 19, offers a stirring song of praise for God's law. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. Amen.